0: Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin, and I got a very special guest with me. Um, She's an educator in the state of Georgia, Mrs. Alexis Austin. Thank you for joining.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I always see you on social media and you come across always, your stories are always interesting. So I figured that you would be another person that would be more relatable to my audience. So I wanted to make sure to get you on.
1: I don't know if interesting stories.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so let's start with the beginning. Like what was your childhood like? up?
1: What was my childhood like? Um, well, I was born in Alexandria, Virginia. And for most of my young life, my parents were together and they got divorced. My father got on drugs back then. And my mother kind of like shielded me from that. So for a long time, I didn't know what was wrong with him. He just stopped coming around and stopped being like my dad. Like, that was my best friend back then. Like, I don't know. I just remember being like all off in Lorton. And we used to be in the woods taking walks and fishing and this and that. And it was me and him all the time. And then slowly but surely he disappeared. So anyways, that's that. And then we moved to Florida um, for a little while. And then we moved back to Pennsylvania. Well, I say back to Pennsylvania. My mother is from Pennsylvania, but we moved to Pennsylvania for a couple of years and then we came back to Florida. And so the end part of my like, elementary was kind of unstable, I suppose. And then once we moved back to Florida, that last time we stayed, and that's where I kind of was raised, I suppose, in Jacksonville. Um, so I lived there from eighth grade on.
0: So how was you how were you when the when um you and your your parents split? How old were you? Because you said your dad was like your best friend.
1: Um when they when they split, I was five. I was going to kindergarten and I, I just remember her coming home one day and she was like, We're moving to a new house. And I was like, Okay, cool. And then I remember starting kindergarten, but my dad wasn't there in the house with us. Um and my little brother was a baby. Um and my dad would still come around at that time. He was still coming around and picking us up on the weekends or whatever. But slowly but surely, by, probably by, by the time I was nine-ish, he kind of faded to black.
0: So that was, you would say probably because that's when the drug habit like overtook him?
1: Yeah. Like his mother died, his brother died. And I, I remember after they died, he wasn't the same.
0: Wow. So, how do you um, did that affect like your grades and stuff, moving around and?
1: Um, I can't say that it did necessarily. Like, I know when I was younger, they said that I had ADHD, but my mother was like, "We do not put my kid on medicine or anything like that." So, you know, I just always remember like certain things I struggled with because I couldn't, I didn't. I couldn't focus, maybe, um, or I'd be all over the place. Like, like I've never been like not smart and I couldn't learn, but like I'd be all over the place. I'm still all over the place now, so um, I don't feel like it affected my grades as much as it affected like my social socialization.
0: Okay did um did you did you ever did you to mend that relationship?
1: With my dad,
0: yeah.
1: Um, I, I let me say this: I love my father, like, but I love him is, and he's my like to me. I think like he and I are kind of both stuck in this place where I'm that little girl and he's that dad, but like I'm 36 and you're 70 something and it's not it's weird like 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 I'm not an adult to him but I'm an adult to myself but then again like when when he's around or when I do see him or talk to him I feel like that little girl again like I just want to be up under my dad and <laughs> like you know i don't and I, I don't know like it's hard to describe so no we haven't necessarily repaired <clears throat> that relationship but we don't really speak about it i do remember one time like when when i had kids i told him i was Pregnant with my oldest daughter, and he was like, Yeah, I got nieces and nephews, it's like grandkids. And I was like, Okay, what the fuck is that? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, because no, nah, uh, you fine, you fine. Okay, what I is, What is that supposed to mean? And then I kind of just didn't talk to him for a while. And then when I had my youngest daughter five years later, I kind of wanted to, like, he had gotten off the drugs by then, so for like 20 something years, 25 30 years, he's been a drug addict in and out of jail for like petty crimes and drug use and that kind of thing. Um, So that was up until my youngest daughter was probably about 12 months, 15 months or so. And then at that time I decided that I wanted to like, I wanted him to be in their life. Like I feel like, I felt like if he couldn't be a dad to me, the least he could do is be a granddad to them. Right. A lot of, he was starting to clean himself up. And um, so we had come up there for Christmas and Thanksgiving one year. And I kind of tried to talk to him then, but he, he was just like, Well, what do you want from me? I was like, I don't know what I want from you. Like, I want you to be a grandfather for one. Like, like I said, if you can't be a dad to me, at least be a grandfather to them. And he was like, he told me that he lived a selfish life. He always had, and he always would. He doesn't know what I want from him. And he'll do the best that he can. And that's how we left it.
0: How long ago was this?
1: She is eight now. So she was about one back then. Yeah, it was one. It was around her first birthday.
0: So you, so you, you both still talk. It's just kind
2: of... Um...
1: Now we talk more out, like we talk. If if I'm around my around his family or whatnot, of course, his sister, uh, my aunt, she makes sure that we communicate and stay in contact. But it's not like he picks up the phone to call me, and I don't pick up the phone to call him. If I happen to be around my family and he's around, then we talk or we see each other. Then, um, but it's not like either one of us goes out of our way if that makes sense.
0: It makes a lot of sense. Do you, do you think you would ever get to a point where you pick up the phone and call them?
1: Um <clears throat> You know, honestly, I know. Because at this point, um, I guess through the years of drug use or whatnot, I want to say 2012, he um, started having these strokes, like heat strokes. um. It was really hot summer that year. It was kind of strange. But it was really hot summer that year, and he used to, like, you know, you see those guys pushing the carts, picking up cans and stuff, and they go sell the cans? Yeah. He, he used to do that. And um, so for all his years of drug use and whatnot, because he rode a bicycle and walked so much, he was healthy. You know what I'm saying? Like, his body was strong still, but his mind was starting to go. Um, and – I guess he, um, started having these like heat strokes and like passing out in the street and whatnot. And of course, since I'm his next to Ken, the hospital would call me. So I'd fly up there and go see about him or whatever. And then my aunt would pick up from there. Um, but after that, they ended up diagnosing him with epilepsy, but it was due to his drug use. So his drug use had like, kind of, done something to his cognitive and to his mental functioning and so at this point he has dementia they just diagnosed him last year I feel like it was last year around this time they diagnosed him with dementia so um my aunt was trying to move him with me and I was like oh he can't live with me <laughs> like like I love again I love him but I can't I'm a single parent. I can't afford to take care of another human. Like, I yeah. built me and my two kids. And I can't, I just can't do that. Plus, with him having dementia, like, there's no telling what he might do and how he might act. Because people with dementia, like, are not always right. Like, they yeah. get violent at times and things like that. That just wasn't going to work now with my small children. So... Um, she ended up finding him a home out in Virginia Beach. So he, that's where he is now. And so I call him every now and again. Um, or sometimes he'll call me if he's sitting there. He really only calls because he wants somebody to come pick him up and take him home because he said he don't like it there.
0: So if, God forbid, if something was to happen, would you be? would you be okay? Would you be at peace?
1: I feel like I would.
0: I'm going to tell you why I asked that. Because it sounds like you two got a lot of unresolved issues. And I think the worst thing that can happen when you lose a loved one is to have issues that you didn't get to resolve before they left.
1: But I don't know. I think we do have unresolved issues, but I don't know if they can be resolved at this point with his mental function in the way that it is.
0: Yeah, I, I I see what you're saying. I see so what you're
1: saying. It's, it's, so it's like I just have to accept where we are and what what, like what it is for what it is, and it, I mean it's been my whole life. So it's not it's not like it's not like it's something that's on my mind all day, every day because it's not.
0: Yeah, I got you. I got you. I'm gonna change topics with you. Um, <laughs> nah, you fine. It's just, you know, I, I wanna make sure that, you know, we cut we touch bases, but I also want your mind to be clear when we talking. So I'm gonna kinda change the subject for so. okay. You are in the education field. How'd you get into that?
1: <laughs> it's kinda crazy. Like I I didn't and I didn't go to school to be a teacher or anything like that. Um but I guess like throughout my life, I've always been like at my jobs like the person they asked to train this person or that person. So I've always kind of been good at helping other people along the way.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and let's see, when I had my oldest daughter, I was working for Enterprise Rent a Car, which I hated because that thing is like slavery. (laughs) (laughs) they sell you a dream they like come on the college campus they're like yeah you're gonna make $30,000 a year you're like well the way this gap money is on like 575 an hour plus standing on my feet I mean I feel like $30,000 I feel like I'm gonna be rich right
0: (laughs) you must have been young (laughs) yeah 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 yeah.
1: young and real dumb and so (laughs) it was like $30,000 your first year. And then after that, it's unlimited opportunities. But they failed to mention that uh, you got to work 12-hour days, six days a week. uh, And that includes bonuses and a promotion 10 months in. Like, like, (laughs) like. exactly so like if you don't get that promotion and you don't get those bonuses you don't see 30,000 no time no soon, no, no way
0: Nick, you said you wasn't you said you didn't what were you going to school for because you said you wasn't going to school to be a teacher
1: oh listen I wanted to be a, <laughs> I wanted to be a cardiologist in real life uh so uh I started out biology pre-med and on the pre-med track But my grandfather died like halfway through college, and I kind of lost my mind for a little while there. Um, And then organic chemistry came along, and I was like, you know what? This is too much stress and too much pressure. Let me change my major. So I changed my major to gerontology, which is a social science, um, just so that I could hurry up and graduate because I was all, I'm ready to graduate. I don't want to be in school. I'm tired of all of this. And bam, here I am with a degree that I don't use.
0: So what's your degree
1: in? Gerontology and a uh, biology.
0: Yeah, damn, yeah, you're right. That's
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so. once I had that job, um, my boyfriend at the time, with my oldest daughter's, well, both my kids, my kids' father, my ex husband, um, he is from Atlanta, well, the Atlanta area, and he wanted to move home. And since we had our daughter, he was like, well, I, we, we should get married. And I was like, okay, we should get married. And it was like, yeah, we got this kid and all of that. So he came up here, <clears throat> got a job. And then I came up, we started looking for houses, got approved for a house, that kind of thing. And then it was like, boom, everything was just like falling into place. Enterprise said, well, sure, you could transfer your job to Atlanta. Um, I mean, they signed all the paperwork for the house and everything. Like... <laughs> But when I got here, they were like, oh, yeah, we decided not to accept your transfer. And I was like, well, <laughs> that's just great considering that um, now I got this whole house that I just signed for and this kid to feed. So what I'm going to do? <laughs> so at that point, he started acting up because he told me he didn't sign up to take care of me. And I said, okay. I should have knew then that it probably wasn't who was for me, but, that, <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that's a whole nother story. Um, so I started looking around and my best friend. She was working. She moved up with her and her boyfriend at the time, moved up here at the same time as well, and they were both doing social work, and they were like, uh, this social work is not going to work up here in Atlanta. It's too spread out the cases are much different than in Florida they just were not happy with it so she was like you know what we should do we should go um try to be teachers <laughs> and I was like you're I don't want to be a teacher <laughs> I don't even like kids like that and she was like yes you do and I said um no I really don't and she was like whatever we should just go try all they can do is tell us no you don't have a job anyway and I was like mm, okay <laughs> so I went with her just on a not know went with her to this um alternative teacher preparation program interest meeting and I ended up applying through that because they again they so they sell you a whole lot of stuff and they tell you how much you're gonna love it and all that stuff and I was like mm, I guess I could try it I mean I do know stuff <laughs> and um I applied for that and then you had to once you apply for that program you could only be conditionally approved to be in it if you got a job so I ended up getting a job um, at a middle school teaching math which was okay because I had a lot of math classes and a lot of science classes from when I was biology major and then I kind of just that first year was hard
0: (laughs) what was what was so hard about it What, what was what was the challenges the first year
1: The first year being that I had no clue what it was that I was supposed to be doing because you're teaching and taking the classes to learn to be a teacher at the same time. So it's just like, they just tell you, here's the curriculum, go for it, (laughs) kind of, sort of. So here you are, like, learning on your feet. And the kids don't know, nor do they care. So it just was... It's an adjustment to go from the student to the teacher.
0: So do you do you feel like uh, if, okay if you had to rate yourself as a teacher because you, it was a new job you was adjusting and you were still learning what would you give yourself what grade would you give yourself that first year?
1: Um. Well, I taught two different content. So for math, I probably would have gave myself like I probably was a C. Why C?
0: why i see
1: this because management wise i had not hit my stride like for me management is a lot of relationship building um and you gotta be you gotta start out strong and then you can loosen up especially the, the type of child that i teach and have always taught like they're not easy kids so you you got to keep your foot on your neck, for lack of a better word. Um, otherwise, they're gonna be running you in the classroom, and that's kind of how it was. So there was a lot of craziness going on, and just it just it, I was just like, I don't know if this is for me.
0: So did you did you doubt did you doubt that um did you doubt that you would uh, actually make it through the program? Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah.
0: What made I probably,
1: you? I wanted to quit. Like <laughs> I wanted to quit. Like had like one. I remember this. Just one boy. I don't want to say his name because I probably can get sued for that. But <laughs> I would never forget his name. He, <sighs> the boy, had like ADHD and some other stuff in his in his little permanent record, and he was just always, always, always doing something like just bad like and I don't like cocky is bad because I don't really think they're bad bad but like he would do stuff intentionally and one day he got up and he slapped this little girl across the face mm. <laughs> everybody sitting down just minding their business she didn't do anything to him got up just slapped her in the face of course she is mad she starts throwing stuff at him I just like lost it. I start cussing and screaming, get out my classroom. I threw him out of the classroom, and then I just, just remember picking up his books and like throwing them at him <laughs> like the stars. But meanwhile, my principal was walking down the hall to come observe my class at that time.
2: So she, <laughs> so she walks
1: up on this and she's like, Miss White, because I was not married yet. So I was still had my maiden name. She's like, Miss White, to my office now. And I was like, Okay, so I go to her office, and of course, I'm in tears, like, because I just, just, like, lost it, lost it. Your
0: ass thought she was about to get fired. That's. <laughs>
1: I didn't even care if I got fired at that point. Like, I promise I didn't. Like, I was like, y'all just threw me, like, I just remember sitting in her office, and she was like she was like, what happened? And I said, y'all just threw me in this room. You didn't tell me that these kids were like this. I ain't never seen no kids act like this. I don't even understand what's going on. And like, I just, like, I don't feel like I don't have any support and nobody wants to help me. And, oh, it was just awful. Like, so I'm having this meltdown and she's just looking at me the whole time. And then she just handed me some, some, uh, some tissue. She said, are you done? I said, yes. She's like, well, his mother knows who he is. We're gonna call her. We're gonna uh, we're gonna let her know what happened. We'll see what she wants to do, and then we'll go from there. So we end up calling his mother. Um, and she was like, eh, "He's an asshole." The the mom says this. Yeah, he's an asshole. He probably deserved it. Next time, I whoop his ass. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so my principal it was like and from that point my principal was like listen I don't know why I hired you you had no experience I interviewed somebody right before you um and I who was an experienced teacher and I didn't go with them for some reason I chose you there's something in you that this is where you're supposed to be I need you to go go back to that classroom you got some time. she's like I'm gonna send this other woman who worked in the building who um like the math coach, actually, she's like, I'm gonna send the math coach in your room for the rest of the day, take you some time, get yourself together, come back tomorrow, and she said, We're gonna make a plan and we're gonna figure this out for you. And I'm just like, Okay,
0: <laughs> so you so that probably so I would I would assume that was the turning point of you making a decision not to quit,
2: yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, do you actually do you actually still see this principle?
1: Um, no, she retired um like a year or so after that she ended up uh getting a promotion somewhere in the district. Um so I, I used to see her around the district and then she ended up retiring. And she lives in my neighborhood, in my community, so I have run into her out and about, but I don't like have regular contact with her, no.
0: So how long have you been teaching now?
1: This is my twelfth year.
0: So, what would you say? What would you say the most rewarding thing about teaching has been?
1: Watching them grow.
0: Okay, so you get to, so you get to actually follow your students.
1: Yeah, because I'm middle school, so um, a lot of like as long as you stay in the same community or stay put, and then social media helps too, kind of. Um, <laughs> but as long as you stay in the same community they'll come back and see you uh sometimes their parents will reach out to you like one of my students from four years ago three years ago he's in 11th grade now she um she just called me the other day out of the blue she was like um, my child needs to go to another school. This is not gonna work. Do you mind giving him a recommendation based on what you knew of him in eighth grade? And I was like, Yeah, but what's going on with him now? I don't want to just give a blind recommendation or whatever, whatever. So, you have an opportunity to like see them and watch them grow. Uh, because I'm eighth grade, I'm at the high school sometimes, not often, but I go to the high school sometimes for games when the kids invite me to their games and stuff like that, and I try to support them. When I can <clears throat> and and so I do see them there, and then once they get out of high school, if they find me if they're able to find me on the internet, then I will accept their affirm request, and then I can see them from there like my, some of my kids are in college now or graduating from college, so it's really it's really good to see them become grown ups and see them not some of them not succumb to what they've been
0: through. What about the one that almost made you quit? Do you still see him? Nope,
1: I have. <laughs> I have not seen him since he went to the
0: ninth grade. Okay, let me. So this let me let me ask you a question because me and my wife we was talking about this because we always talking about schools and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What's your opinion about charter schools?
1: Charter schools. Um, they're like. Mm. Mm. depends some of them are great and some of them are terrible um i think the charters to me the charters that are like franchise i don't want to say franchises but they have multiple locations under the same umbrella like mm-hmm. the kip schools kip schools seem to be good but every kip school is not good um so, I, on one hand, I understand wanting your child because I'm a parent, too. Like, my kids don't go to school where I work. And I would never let them go where I work because I don't want them to be in a room where their teacher has to fight to teach them.
0: Okay, you know? I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop <laughs> uh-huh. you right there. How do you feel about working in a school that you wouldn't even want your child to go to? That, you, that, that, that's, that That's not, see, now let me be so, clear, I'm not a teacher, so, but I would be pretty so, troubled by that.
1: So listen, I, I mean, I feel like it sounds terrible when I say it, right? But it's not for the, the teaching and the learning necessarily. You serve the community that you're in. Right. So it's like multifaceted. Some some teachers are there and they just clearly don't care and that that's not where they're really supposed to be. They're just here to collect a paycheck. There are some that really care and really do the best they can for the kids. Um and so at my school, there's a lot of good teaching, and there's a lot of good good things going on. However, the community that I serve does not necessarily share the same values that I share that, that I want. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Involvement is not there. Parental involvement makes a big difference. Okay. Um, Like it's, it's, it's like the little nuances of, and so because we don't have some of those things, I feel like there's other issues that are beyond our control. Not And it's not the teaching and learning because I would be okay and I would be comfortable with them coming and sitting in some of these classes. I can't say all of them, but I think that would be anywhere, like even at their schools that they're at right now. My, my daughter is in seventh grade. She's on a team with five different teachers, and I cannot stand one of the ground that one of her teachers walks on. Like, I do not care for this particular teacher. I don't feel like she's there for the kids, but the rest of the team is great. So I think that that's anywhere, but again, you have to look at the community that you serve in. I don't know if I want to put my kid in that, if they don't have to be.
0: Well, I'm going to tell you why I, I'm going to tell you my issue with charter schools. And I tell my wife this all the time. I think Mm -hmm. that charter schools are just another form of segregation. That's my opinion. At least here, probably everywhere, but at least here because mm-hmm. here the school the charter schools are better than the public schools.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you got this lottery system. Everybody everybody can't go to the school. So it's like you 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 take basically the, the
2: cream of the crop.
0: Yes, you take the cream of the crop and you put them all in one place. So you got the public schools who have the students who present more challenges. We're going to say present more challenges. Um, Their parents may not be as involved. So you've taken the best out of those schools. So you've only left, I'm not going to say the worst because there are some good kids there, but because you've basically segregated them, you took the best. The the charter schools only want the best. So Mm -hmm. when you got all these students who are not, you know, are not achieving where they should be. You just leave them in that one spot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's my issue with charter schools. I just think it's just another form. of segregation only with this one. It's more class. It's not race because you had the racial. You had racial segregation with schools. We've moved past that. Now, now you yeah. got
2: Classism. like
0: class. Yeah. And, and if you look at the neighborhoods that Charter schools, I'm in. Like, you know, Virginia. I'm mean mm-hmm. in Virginia. They don't have charter schools here, whereas mm-hmm. in Maryland they do. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's in the you know in the counties where the schools don't score as high. Right. So I don't understand why you wouldn't just take those resources and dedicate them to the public school instead of because, just building all these. Because charter everybody
1: schools. wants to have a choice. Choice. So like. Like you said, like, like I was saying, like how my my child goes to a public school, there's no charter schools in, in the county that I live in. There are charter schools in the county that I work in. Um, and those charter schools do siphon off some of the funding as well. So because some of the funding is no longer going to the public school because it's now going to the charter school once those kids go there, because they're publicly funded. Um, so that's an issue as well. Um and like you said they are able to pick and choose who they accept versus the public school has to take whoever comes to to us and my principal tells us all the time these people are sending us the best that they have so stop whining and complaining about who's in your classroom and just teach them and and she's right about that so um I, so I do I can't agree with you there um but it's like, a, it's like a double-edged sword when, you're, when, you're, when your district is underperforming. Like, nobody wants their child to be sitting. Like, like, I don't want my child to be sitting in a class where the teacher has to fight to teach them. Nobody wants that for their kid. So if my kid can go somewhere else and get better, because I know, or this is my value, my, my value system is set up so that I know that education is the only way for them to better themselves in their station in life. So why not do what I got to do or whatever so that my child can have that opportunity or that leg up?
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, it definitely does <clears throat> come down to the parents. Like the area I'm in, um, the P- the, my daughter, she's seven
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the PTA is very strong. Man.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, um, Got you know, like they do little fundraisers and do things like that. I think the biggest problem in our community is is uh, I don't think we value education as much as we should. Um, yeah. see, they don't teach us a lot of history in school,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? So I don't think a lot of kids even realize that at one point it was illegal. For us to know how to read,
2: mm-hmm. it's
0: just so many hurdles that we had to jump just to do any type of any type of education. Like it was just we was cut off from it. Mm-hmm. But we don't we don't learn that. It's just um, you learn black. You know you get Black History Month, and they tell you about Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, mm-hmm. Rosa Parks. Um, uh, I guess gary morgan everybody who was the first to do something Mm -hmm. those are the ones they tell you about so when you don't know your history and you don't know the hurdles that your people face then i think it's easy to devalue education
1: and and i i i totally agree um to be quite honest like it sounds kind of crazy, but I feel like we, as a people, were better off when we were segregated and we had to rely on ourselves and our community um, because we valued that. Once we became desegregated, it like it became more of assimilation and trying to be like whoever, and we lost something.
0: So something you, when I you was. say that, you when you say that. You mean, oh, you, you mean overall. I'm yeah,
1: as, as a culture and as a people.
0: Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember um, my wife has sent me this story. Um, oh, man, who? I want to say it was... I, I'm going to have to make sure I'm right, but I want to say it was Zora Neil Hurston, mm-hmm. who talks about uh who talks about segregation in school,
2: mm-hmm.
0: how she wasn't for it. She just wasn't for it. Actually, I don't know if it was just school. She just said segregation, period. But mm-hmm. you don't, I think we don't really sit back and think about it because our generation, we never really had it. not really had, we never had to deal with it. Like we've right. always, we've never had to face segregation in anything. So when you when you don't face it, you don't understand how it worked. Right. You can read about it, but if you right. didn't go through it firsthand, then you don't really know.
1: Correct. I, I, I agree with that. Like, like, and and I do think, like, talking to my students and my kids, like, there's a lot of differences, and I'm not that far removed from them, like. They like to feel like I am, but I'm like, I just went to, I was just in middle school in the 90s. That was not that long
2: ago.
0: Like,
1: I mean, I guess now is, <laughs> it's like 20 years ago. But
0: <laughs> nah, you, we, we are far removed. And it's not even, it's because, it's because how fast things are moving. And, yeah. and even, even social media has, I think social media has spread, has, has sped up the process. Like, I remember I was at work, right? I'm yeah, talking to this guy. Yeah. And I was
2: talking
0: to this guy, right? And he was mm-hmm. talking about, um, he was talking about bullying. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, you can't, I said, you can't compare, you can't compare us to them. He like, what you mean? I said, well, you got to remember social media changed everything. I said, if you was, let's say when you was getting bullied at school, right? If we you were getting bullied, bullied at school, school right, you got bullied at school and it stopped at school. You mm-hmm. could come home and that was your safe haven.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm.
0: now you can get bullied at school and you can get bullied on on social media by the same person. So, you know, you can't you can't talk from you can't talk about a kid when you never faced that. You, you didn't face that. So you can't you can't understand what they feeling because you didn't go through it. I
1: agree. And it's different. And a lot of it is unnecessary. Like, we deal with that so much. Like, it's crazy. And then the fact that their parents are kind of just unaware of what's going on is another thing that's even crazy to me because it's like, I don't know. I have a a middle school child myself. And maybe because I work in a middle school, I'm always in her phone. She can't have a password that I don't know. If it's an app, I've gone through every app on her phone, it's gonna no say, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I'm hypersensitive to that, I suppose, because because I work in the middle school, but a lot of their parents are kind of just very aloof to the fact that like they're doing and saying and 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 they have access to so much, like they have access to way too much. Like they're growing up light years beyond what we did but they're also still very mature because immature I'm sorry because they're handheld so you've got like a baby mind but you're exposed to so much adult content it's the craziest it's the craziest combination to me like some of the things that they do and say I've seen adults do and say and it's like who exposed you to this? Like, but it, I don't think it's an adult exposing it to Like you said, I think it's just because they have everything at their fingertips. They've got smartphones, they got better phones, better watches, better, better everything that we ever had or thought to have. Some of them have better stuff than their parents have because their parents want them to have what they didn't. Yeah, a lot of times I'm in, I'm sitting in parent conferences. I never had any of this stuff. I had to struggle and work to get this, that, and the third. But here I am struggling so that this child can have X, Y, Z, and P, D, and Q. And it's like stop giving it to them. But I said the same thing. But I'm I'm the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: it, I mean it's only natural to want to give your kids what you didn't have. That's that's just a natural thing. Right. But the then, problem is, but then if you're doing,
1: you've got to also be a parent. You can't, you can't parent on autopilot. You have to be involved, and that's where I think a lot of what I see going on in my particular community that I serve is they parenting on autopilot. It's like I'm doing all of this so that you can have, but now. I'm never home or if I am home, I'm still working or I'm too tired to deal with you. So just go get on your phone, go play the game, go do whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: And now they're left to their own devices.
0: So Audi, so where you work, the demographic, is it is it like a lot of single parents? Is it two parent households? What is it?
1: There's a good mixture, honestly. Um but the way that we're zoned, we're zoned for um, an affluent African-American two-parent household-type community. And we also have half of a very low-income, very urban, suburban community as well. Okay. So you got $300,000 house kids with Project Kids. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So your three hundred thousand dollar house kids, most of them have two parents. Parents are fairly well educated, like college graduates and things like that. They're business owners and 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 executives and things like that. And then your project folks, their moms come to school in bonnets and um, you know bonnets and and, and So I mean
0: and house shoes I you know what i think i like it's it's crazy i like that mix <laughs> um, but i'm gonna tell you why i like it though because I, I like um i like environments where you get two totally different perspectives mm-hmm. like if you you know if you're a kid because these kids are in like the seventh or eighth grade right yes so I'm they still grade. okay so they still learning So. I don't know if these conversations happen, but I think it would be good to talk to a kid. If you're a kid, you know, you're in the eighth grade, your buddy's in eighth grade and he he comes from a single parent household and you come, you have both of your parents and you, you know, you get to talk, you get to interact and, 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 you know, have a conversation. And I think that would help. I think that helps both kids because the kid was, um, with, you know, with, with the um, with the two parents, you, um, you, 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 um, I think you gained appreciation for having two parents. Like, like if you've had something for so long, if mm-hmm. you had two parents, you grew up in a two-parent household, you don't really understand that in some households there's only one parent. That one parent, like you said, may not even have the time to
2: mm-hmm. to,
0: to devote to the child like they should. Cause I think that's one of the big issues too. Like you said, if you if you if it's a single parent, they working all the time. You know, they working. They got a nine to five, and then once they leave that job, they got to go to the second job just to make ends meet. Well, now you tired. Mhm. So that's why I do like that. I, I like a mixture.
1: I would. I don't know, maybe because I I experience it every day. Um, In some ways, I agree. And then in other ways, I feel like kids who were once one way are so influenced by the negative things that they think are cool and that they think are... Because on one hand, you got kids that are in the game and they go and they... Sell drugs after school or during school, whatever they do. They're with their cousins and brothers and aunties and uncles or whoever it is, joyriding in other people's cars and kicking indoors and stuff. And then you got your child over here, what you mean you kick indoors? And they kind of start to migrate towards that. And it's, it is more, it's more migration towards the negative than the positive. Whereas in a perfect world, they would bring them up, but because kids are kids, they don't all have that, that resoluteness or that, that, that they haven't quite found their voice yet. You get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I so. know what you're saying. <laughs> it's kind of be, a, it's kind of hard to be an influential 13 year old. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and some of them are. But the ones that are that are very charismatic and influential typically are not doing the right things. They're influencing them to do the wrong things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a that's a so, too.
1: So so I mean I don't know. I think I think more so in the high school, it probably plays out better. Because by the time you make it to high school, like, you are not as, like, the adolescent child. The middle school child is a strange age anyways.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Like, you watch your child come from, like, fifth grade, go to sixth grade. They're, like, your baby. They've been in elementary school. And now they're just thrown into middle school and they're kind of having to like find their way. So sixth grade is like they come in as babies around Christmas time. They're kind of like, okay, you started to change. Your attitude is changing. What's going on? Their hormones are changing and raging and they're risky. They do a lot of things impulsively. by the time they get to 8th grade though they start to they start to mellow out <clears throat> some of them um more so to me the ones that are like really involved in like extracurriculars and things like that because they're more future focused so they mellow out and they start to become more responsible and more rational to me um faster than the kids that are kind of just out here doing whatever and not and that don't that aren't involved. So I think like extracurriculars are good. Um I, I, it's it, but middle school is just middle school children are they're they're different. Like I tell my parents all the time at parent conferences, don't worry, your child, like they're like and they're crying, like I don't understand why they're feeling and what they're feeling because they're middle school kids. I don't want to say that it's okay because it's not. But <laughs> But like your your baby's gonna come back around. They're gonna get it together at some point. It's gonna snap, and they're gonna be like, "Oh, I need to get my shit together." And they do. And to me, that's what I was, I guess, referring to more so about watching them grow. Because when it when it sparks, and when they start to get it together, and they like their parents are like, "Oh yeah, this is the baby I know." Like, yeah. but now it's a much more mature baby. But you got to go through that that storm
2: which is
0: middle school, to get yeah. there to the upside. You just made me think about my middle school. I I, I struggled, and then I got to high school. You um, probably took
1: off. You huh? <laughs> probably took off.
0: No, I didn't. It, I I struggled. I, well, the first year I did great, and then when I got to 10th grade, it started going downhill, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: It took me, you know, it took me getting older to realize what happened and what happened with me. Um, I wasn't really, I wasn't focused like I should have been.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I always talk about like growing up in different environments.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I grew up in like a, a neighborhood that wasn't, you know, it was like drugs around bad influences. Mm-hmm. So my my parents, I grew up with my my mom, my stepfather, both great people. My father was around. My, I had I had good. I had a good um, support system. But the only problem with with my support system was they um they catered their goal for me was to not get in trouble. Mm -hmm. it it wasn't um, it wasn't hey make sure you go to class make sure you you know excel in your grades all that it was just don't get in trouble and I didn't get in trouble but the problem is I didn't I didn't tap into my potential the way I should have Mm -hmm. so that set me back like shit (laughs) years decades Mm -hmm. so I think that's one of the worst things about growing up in a bad environment. Because it's not even, I think, it's not just the people, it's not just the, the bad things that could happen. It's just like, you got so many, you, you lose you lose track of what's important. Like
2: when mm-hmm. you're in the right
0: environment, you know, not getting in trouble is not even the issue. If you're in a good, you know what I'm saying, you're in a good community, you're in a good environment, Nobody's telling you, hey, make sure you stay out of trouble. There's mm-hmm. no trouble to get into. <laughs> Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, when you go around that, you got to navigate that. You got to navigate school. And I just never had anybody telling me, like, make sure you focus on your grades. Like, really focus on them.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, I was
0: one the like, my parents didn't grow up. Um, my parents, I'm not going to. See, I don't want to make it sound bad. But I'm gonna say they didn't value education. My, um,
3: it and doesn't I say like that,
1: that. huh? I said it doesn't sound bad to me. Like I, I do not judge people for parent. Parenting doesn't come with a rule book. People do the nah. best they can with what they have and what they think is best for their child in that particular moment. When you know better, you do better. So. Because of your experience, you value education a different way than what your parents did. Like you said, they were trying to keep you out of trouble. There's nothing wrong with that. They did what they had to do and what they felt was best for their child in that particular. And you have, you as an adult have been able to sit back and self-reflect. And I think that's important in life that, like, you don't judge people and put your what you feel like is right or off for other people because there's no right or wrong to this life is all about learning from birth to death and if you're not learning then you're not doing something right period
0: yeah it took me it took me so long to understand like um you know just just that whole process like like i wasn't i wasn't mad or anything with my parents it was just like man mm-hmm. i wish right. i wish they would have gave me something else But at the same time, they gave me what they could. So I couldn't be mad. You know, If somebody gives you their best, like my mom and my dad, my parents, all my parents, they gave me their best. Mm -hmm. So when somebody gives you their best, it's like, you can't be mad. You just gotta, you gotta accept what their best was and then just try to, you know, once you learn what they give you, then you just take what they gave you and just improve on that. So, but it took, but again, I didn't figure this shit out until (laughs) I'm in my 30s. That's
1: okay. At least you figured it out in your 30s. It's some people that's like in their 50s and 60s that still don't know that.
0: Yeah. You know what, too? It it just takes something to happen. Like, we got a flaw. Humans just got a flaw. Like, something bad got to happen or something traumatic. About ninety percent of the time, it's (laughs) got to be something bad or traumatic that happens to you. That's a turning point that make you sit back and reflect. True. So
1: because when life is easy, you don't often reflect. I agree.
2: Yeah.
1: When everything is going right, you don't have to sit down and think. Well, (laughs) what's what's next? Or unless that's just you, there are some people out here just are thinkers and. But actually, a lot, a lot of the learning that you do does take place in the midst of a storm.
0: Yeah, you're messed up somewhere, and it's like, all right, now I gotta figure this out. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's when you learn the most. Like, like for me, uh, that's when I learned the most, and unfortunately, it was, I was like thirty-five. <laughs> so.
1: And that's okay. I wouldn't beat myself up about it. But you oh nah.
0: I'm, like, It's not that I beat myself up. I just, I mean, I think, I think you, I think a lot of people look back like, man, I should have did this, I should have did that. But, I mean, I didn't. Mm-hmm. My wife tell me all the time, you gotta move on. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're right. I gotta move on. You, you think about it, like, damn, if I had, if I had done this, if I had done that, I probably would be a little further along, but. I don't know. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not supposed to be as far as my mind think I should be. So and I
2: don't it's know.
1: But does your mind, but okay, so my question is this, does your mind feel like you're supposed to be further on because you're ju- judging your journey based on what you think you see other people doing or or you know, you get what I'm saying? Like your journey is your own, right? So if we take what we are experiencing and we apply that and we learn from it, but then we also sit back and look and say, well, damn, my best friend over there got X, Y, Z, and the third going on. If I had just done this back then, then maybe I would be there too. But maybe you wouldn't have. Yeah. So like...
0: Okay, I mean, I, I, for me, it's about. Um, I would say it's about maybe five percent of looking at somebody else. Just the people who came from the same, like the same, they had the same walk as me. You came from the uh-huh. same city, you had the same challenges that I had, mm-hmm. and they and they fur and and I shouldn't say further along because really all you're looking at is materials. You're not looking at. You know, you're not looking at how where they are mentally, you know, how far they, de- you know, develop, all that stuff. So that's why the number is 5%, because you do look at, I don't care what nobody say. I'm going right. to be honest right. enough and say, yeah, I have looked at people, um, right. what, they, what they've what they been able to accumulate. But the reason I'm, I feel strong, the reason I feel the most strong about it is because I know... That I had a lot. I have a whole lot of potential that I haven't even tapped into yet. Mm-hmm. So when you like, for me, I gotta get up like I gotta get up 5 o'clock every day,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's a drag. It's not fun. I don't like. I don't know. Within like probably like within the last year, um, it's become more and more of a challenge to just get up and go to work because I know I could be doing better. Mm -hmm. So when you know, like when you know, like when you know God got something bigger, Mm -hmm. but you have to do the work, like you have to do the work. So it's like, I know I should be doing something else and slowly I'm figuring it out. Mm
2: -hmm. Like I'm
0: getting there. I'm figuring it out. It's like a process Mm -hmm. and I'm figuring out, so that's the frustrating part because I'm like, man, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm blessed to, you know, at least have the opportunity to do this, to get up and go to work and be able to provide. So I'm thankful for that. But that, right, is, right. but that doesn't satisfy my need to be doing more because it's not even a money thing. Like I, re- Like when I was growing up, I would always have these conversations like, and this was, this was when I was like um, I probably was like 16 or 17 and one of my cousins asked me one time and he was just like what would you rather have would you rather have um, would you rather have like 10 I think it was like 20, 10 or 20 million dollars or would you rather be happy and I was like shit I'd rather have that 20 million dollars I could buy mm-hmm. happiness and and, <laughs> so, and they were wise beyond their years. they was like nah and we were all about the same age. My cousin was like seventeen, and mm-hmm. he
2: was like,
0: oh, man, you can't." He was like, "You can't buy happiness. Like, you have to be happy." He was like, "You can have money, but you mm-hmm. want to be happy." And we see it all the time. We see people who, who are millionaires, like tens of millions of dollars they got, and they're mm-hmm. still unhappy, and they end up killing themselves.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's not money. It's just. I know for me, it's definitely not money. It's just I know I should be doing more for myself mm-hmm. and for and even for other people. And it, it, like I just feel like I have a gift to be doing more, and I'm not using it. So when you're not using when you're not using the gifts God gives you, it becomes draining. Right. So that's where I'm at at this point.
1: I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> I, like, no, because I really feel like 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 I know that there are things that I love to do and that I'm passionate about that like Like what?
0: Like because like, I know you said something about nails. I remember reading that.
1: Like I, I just like to be creative in general. Like I, I like doing nails a lot. Like I really love doing nails. Let me, let me be honest. I love doing nails, but the hours that I have to put in to do nails and make the money I wanna make is, does not work for my family because I it's just me.
2: Yeah. Um.
1: But, like, just, I just enjoy, I, I like people. Like, I don't really like talk to people a lot, but I just like to watch people be happy and watch people, like, enjoy themselves, and if I had a hand in making that happen, then, like, it's like, I feel really dope about this. Like, planned a Christmas party. Everybody seemed to have a really good time. And I wasn't really, like, interacting with the people that much. Like, here and there, I would stop and talk. But a lot of the time, I was in the background picking up stuff, cleaning up stuff, just watching them be genuinely happy and have a good time. Like, and I feel like that's what I'm passionate about is, like, watching people just be organically genuinely happy and social and that type of thing like i would really like to open (laughs) like i would really like to open an event planning business and yeah if i could if i could get the capital get that off the ground so would would you would would you stop teaching but i would do it on the side and if it did grow into something where i would have to stop teaching i might do that but that. would be far down, further down the line.
0: At this, at this point in your life, would you say you're happy?
1: Um, seven out of eight. I mean, seven out of ten. Yeah, most of the time. Um, I mean, like everybody, I have my days, but for the most part, I'm happy. Um, I'm not like my happiest self. No, not necessarily. There are things in my life that. Um, I'd like to shore up, and if they were a different way, then that would make me happier. But for the most part, I can't say my good days definitely outweigh my bad days for sure. Yeah. My my happy moments far outweigh my unhappy moments, so I can't say that I'm like unhappy. But I think like everybody, I have my days and I have my moments.
0: I think for me, it's it's areas in my life, mm-hmm. like um, far as Relationship-wise, like, family-wise, I'm very happy. Like, with my wife, my family situation, I'm very happy with that. hmm Career-wise, I'm, like, at a, on a scale of one to ten, I'm, like, at a one. And the only reason I'm at a one is because I get paid. <laughs> 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 if it was for a paycheck, I would be at a flat-out zero. And my wife always told me, like, um, she like, I could just tell like she like you're not happy like nah, and, and and the crazy part is it's like even though I'm not happy, I feel like I'm I'm not even gonna sound stuck like I'm just in this weird space like I know I'm not happy,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but I'm not doing anything about it because. I'm in this I'm in this space where I'm comfortable and I shouldn't be.
1: But are you really not doing anything about it?
0: No, I'm not. I'm what I am put it like this, I am I'm doing something about it but it's not it's not what it should be. No. Because if I, if I was doing like if I was doing something about it, it would be every day. Like it would be I would have a dedicated effort to change my situation, and I can't say, I can't say that I fully committed to changing my situation. So no, that's why. Now that could change tomorrow. Like I can wake up tomorrow and say, you know what? And, and every day I wake up, like, mm-hmm. damn, another day it is. And that's no way to live. Like I just be like, man. So you're just
1: and existing this, right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but and that's why I said it's it's just certain areas because
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm. Oh, I I
1: get it totally.
0: Because I'm really happy with like (laughs) family-wise, wife, child, that part. I'm very happy with. Thank Mm -hmm. God. But career-wise, no, And, and I think it's good that I'm finally getting to this point because. I think when you get when you get comfortable mm-hmm. it's like comfort com- being comfortable is like good and bad. It's good because it's like you've established something, you got a routine, so you know what to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's bad because you get stuck. You don't right, you don't really want to move out of that comfort zone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But eventually you get I'm at a point now where I'm not even comfortable in my comfort zone. <laughs> so right. I have to do something
1: to change it. I think it may be that, I mean, I'm not a man or anything like that, but I think, like, to me, just, like, listening to men talk, like, being uncomfortable in your comfort zone is a little bit different for you guys in that you have an innate need to provide and support your family and I can see how your family would keep you on the line for that and you're not necessarily pursuing your passion because you know that this brings in income or whatever versus like if I pursue my passion there's the chance that we might fail and then what is my family going to do kind of sort of thing
0: yeah Yes and no. I think I could I know I could pursue mine without quitting my job or nothing mm-hmm.
2: like that. Mm-hmm.
0: But I think what I want to happen is I outgrow my job. <clears throat> right. That's what I want to happen. I think that's what most people would want is to outgrow the situation. So, wait. So we okay. So you said what? So what? What does that picture look like for a woman? Because I because I, I think in this day and age because especially in this area mm. women women um, I feel like women have the same feeling as men now like we, I mean
1: yeah cuz men, <laughs> men have to
0: de- men have to depend on women men have to depend on women just as much now
1: yeah cuz it's really hard out here with this one income let me tell you <laughs>
3: yeah yeah like
0: like, I, I sit back and think about that, like, man, thank God that it's two incomes in this house. If it was just one,
2: mm-hmm.
0: oh, man, like, I wouldn't be poor, but I wouldn't be...
1: Life changes drastically.
0: Yeah. It wouldn't be able to eat out of nothing.
1: for a while until, until you figure it out, but I don't know, like, I don't maybe because when i was when i was married we operated like roommates it was ridiculous like we were not a partnership i do not really it was it was so strange so although i used to say when i was married that i felt like a single parent because he worked two jobs or whatever and it was just me and the kids a lot by ourselves but when we actually were separated and we were two households for real. I was like, whoa, I don't know what the hell I was talking about because <laughs> <laughs> this, this and that ain't the same thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, was, like when, I can tell you the last time, like, I had a drive till my gas light was on and then, like, Ask my mama for twenty dollars. I was like, "Why am I gonna ask my mama for twenty dollars?" Like, my money is not stretching like it used to. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, so, yeah. But so for for me, I feel like it probably looks a lot like that because it is just me. So I feel like I'm stuck, not necessarily stuck, but I am. I cannot devote my myself to my passion or what. What really makes me happy because I have to. It's just me. I have to. Yeah. Make it really happens for me and my kids. Because if I don't, then what?
0: Right. My <laughs> daddy wanna, told me a long
1: time ago that he signed up to take care of me. So <laughs>
0: I want. You know what? I want to back up a little bit because uh-huh. I want to back up a little bit because you uh-huh. talked about you. You didn't feel like y'all were in a partnership. You never felt that way.
1: No, I probably should have never married him. Like, you know, I read an article that said it's okay for you to love your partner more than they love you or for them to love you more than you love them, but I don't think that's okay. (laughs) Like, because I... not that he loved me more than I love him but he definitely loved me different than I loved him like I love him as a person like even to this day I don't want to see any ill will come to him but I don't feel like I was ever really truly in love with him it wasn't like damn I can't see the rest of my life without him it was more so like yeah we got this kid in this house these cars we got a dog this is kind of what I'm supposed to do you know I, I was kind of like raised in a thousand like the Bible belt. So it was a whole lot of like you got this baby out of wedlock and they said that you you was gonna be XYZ in a third, but now here you are proving them right and like uh.
0: So you you basically married you basically married out of obligation.
1: Yes. I feel like you, I did.
0: You know what? <laughs> well, okay, because you said you had the family, right? You had the family. They people say that black people are the only ones who marry for love.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I've had conversations with people, right?
2: Uh-huh.
0: I had a conversation with this guy, right? It, it messed me up. It, it really did because we were talking, me and this guy. We were talking, and he said, "Um, he said once he found out." That the woman he was dealing with was was pregnant with his child
2: mm-hmm.
0: his father told him to marry her
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then you know in our community that doesn't happen like
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's it's uh okay like you know first question they probably gonna ask you what, what, are you keeping it
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know they're gonna ask you is you keeping it mm-hmm. and you answer the question accordingly. And then it's like, well, you don't have to be with her or you don't have to be with him. Just you have a baby, which right. I don't I, I can't say that. I can't say that's right or wrong. But what I can say is, if you look at our community, the family structure is not as strong as other communities.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's got to be something to marry for love as a because if you talk like a like a, the guy but I'm
1: they marry married for they marry okay so if we're talking about not marrying for love versus marrying for what each person can bring to the relationship in order to make both of us get to whatever our ultimate goal is but if you get married because y'all got a kid that's not the same as getting married for business reasons like
0: this is a business partnership okay so he got okay so so let me go back to him so Mm -hmm. we talking and he tells me he tells me that his father said well you gotta marry this woman
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and he married her and Uh and they've been married for over 20 years Uh so and I asked him I said like he talked like I asked him I said well are you happy and he said, no. like straight up. He was like, no. He's like, but it's not about my happiness. It's Basically, I'm paraphrasing what he said. He mm-hmm. was like, it's not about his happiness. It's more about being there for his family.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So he just dismissed his happiness. And a part of me, like, I was like, ain't no fucking way I could do that. Right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But then another part of me was like, but when you do that, you know, there's so many layers to it because it's like, yeah, okay, like a, a, a argument and counter-argument could be made for days. Like, it's like, okay, yeah, you're creating this family structure, but your kid, the kids that you married for are seeing like, you don't really get along, you know, you, it's clear you're here for them. Like, you're here just mm-hmm. to do the family thing or whatever. So do you want your kids to grow up thinking like, this is how life should be, that you should be marrying just because you have a child? Like, I don't know. Like,
1: And then what does that do to your child? Like, realistically, like, because kids see this and they are very in tune to what their parents go through. And then they become adults with issues. Okay.
0: So let me ask so
1: you this. Is that, is that necessarily the word? I can't say it's right, I can't say it's
2: wrong.
0: But, but let me okay, but let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What if the child has never seen their parents like that? Like if you if you if you are a child I
1: say that I would say that's bullshit. Right. You, never, you may never have seen your parents argue and fight, but you People, kids feel energy. They're like little energy sponges. Like, if we don't like each other, my child knows that. Like, I don't have to tell my eight-year-old that I'm sad or upset. When I'm sad or upset, she comes in and sits in my lap. and She's like, Mommy, I love you, and whatever. And I don't have to tell her that I'm upset. I don't, it's not like I'm sitting around crying or anything or, or like that. But the, but she feels that energy from me. When okay. When I was married, and my ex-husband and I were not on speaking terms or whatever. My daughter used to go sit on the steps and rock back and forth, like, but it wasn't because we were fighting and arguing. We just weren't speaking. Right, like, it I get that. It wasn't that? You know what I'm saying? It was. So I don't necessarily know that.
0: Okay, I get that. Right, I get that. Mm-hmm. But what if your child was never in a situation where they seen you guys? in a loving situation? Like, what if all a child ever knew was this is business? Like daddy's here, mommy's here. And that's it. So is that child really damaged? Like, because they don't know what, this sounds crazy, but they don't really know what a love emerge looks like. So how can that be damaging if you don't even know what it looks like? I don't necessarily
1: know if I would call that damage. I don't think, it's necessarily damaged or damaging as much as I would say that maybe it's not necessarily the healthiest, healthiest viewpoint for them, because what does that in turn, turn out to them, turn out for them in their own lives. Now they're in relationships where they don't understand why, or why, you know, like,
0: well, this, but see, this is. Yeah, I, don't
2: okay.
0: know. I don't know. Like, I don't know. He, he, it's like Like I'm telling you, me and this guy talked for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of the most end up conversations I ever had because mm-hmm. I just like because it was it was a really good conversation because neither one of us understood how, how we could be in this situation.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
0: he didn't understand how. I could be in a situation where I'm genuinely love my wife and I'm actually happy to be with her,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I didn't understand how he could be with a woman that he's not genuinely happy and in love with.
1: Right.
0: So, but again, that comes down to culture and how you were raised. Like if if you're if the if you're if you're if your culture is take care of your family at all costs, then mm-hmm. That may that may interfere with your happiness. Now that's mm-hmm. not all black, that's not all black people because there are plenty of black people, plenty mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. together only for those kids. That's the only reason they together. Right. And the fucking second them kids grow up, they get in a divorce or they going the other way or, or dad gonna gonna get him a trophy wife or some shit, whatever they gonna do.
1: Have you like seen they, they you just have waiting on their kids. How those people act when their parents split up and they're adults, like, they lose their damn mind.
0: Yeah, like, well, well, okay, but again, well, so, okay. So,
1: um, so, you did all of this for your kids, and in the end, your kid is now an adult going through the same shit that I went through when I was five. Like, what's the difference? I,
0: I <laughs> mean, of course,
1: the,
0: I mean, of course, the, the best solution would be a happy, harmonious marriage, but if you're not there, then... Yeah okay, imagine being the kid that's 19 or 20 and then your parents separate and then you come to the realization that you was the reason they stayed together. So that's kind of messing with you. Mm -hmm. And and then you, it's so many factors to consider. Like, I don't know, like, that's one of the most, like, it was really a good conversation because it's just, like, that was one of the conversations with culture, like,
2: mm-hmm. how
0: they've really showed me how people cultures can be totally different. Like, right. I just right. never thought about not marrying, I never thought about marrying a woman that I wasn't genuinely happy with, and that I jingled in love. I never, right. it, it just never, I never thought about that. And a lot of us feel that way. Right. But, but there's also a lot of us who staying in bad situations knowing it's not a good situation Mm -hmm. but you stay just so you can kind of keep that family together you know what I'm saying
2: Mm -hmm.
0: it's no it's not really a. it's kind of like a lose lose situation for real
2: yeah
1: and this is why I just feel like you can't judge anybody's journey or anybody's walk like it is what it is and everybody has to do what they feel is right for them like And take the consequences for whatever choice or decision you make for what it is. Like, your walk is not anybody else's. Your journey is not anybody else's. And you have to take the consequences, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever they may be. So, he cho- he chooses to be in a loveless marriage and not be happy and he's okay with sacr. and he clearly is okay with sacrificing his own happiness for the happiness of his family I guess that's where he was getting at but you choose to be happy so you're sacrificing in other areas you choose to be happy with your family so you're sacrificing in other areas and, it, and to me it just is what it is like I can't say that as right and I can't say that as wrong and I'm not I'm not here to to say that like because I certainly don't know the answers um but I don't I don't think it's right or it's wrong either way I think you literally just have to do what works for you whether it's culturally like I know but like for my own self like again I kind of grew up in like bible-built (laughs) selves and like I've kind of turned away from some of that because I feel like it's not necessarily it doesn't serve me like and what I truly believe and what I truly feel like you're not going to convince me that something that two things that are totally uncorrelated like there's no correlation between these two things have an effect on each other like and I, I, I have a hard time subscribing to that like
0: yeah well (laughs) so your marriage your marriage ended in divorce like did that does that make you scared to remarry again
1: no not not even a little bit because i know that i I wasn't supposed to marry him we are better much better friends than we ever were lovers um and we ain't even really good friends (laughs) (laughs) so but but I never liked him to begin with. Like I, even, I didn't even want to talk to him. But listening to my my friends, they were like, "Well, he's different than the guys you normally talk to because you choose this type of guy." And da, da 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 Why don't you try something different? And he turned out to be the same. No, worse. Oh,
0: he was different.
2: <laughs> like
1: I mean, not necessarily. No, I, I can't even say worse, but it's just like. the 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 things that now on one hand I'm grateful for him because I would not be at the place I am in my life right now if it weren't for him and the shit that I had to go through with him so like I could be grateful that for that like again me accepting the the consequences of my choices and my actions because just because they say you gotta talk to him don't mean you had to and you definitely didn't have to keep his baby and you definitely didn't have to marry him you, like you know what i'm saying none of that is their fault right
0: yeah
1: you know what i'm saying so i i can't necessarily so it to me it just i don't know i feel like i feel like i i i personally just choose to every experience in my life is for a reason it's either to, it's, it's always there to grow me in some way, shape, or form. It was something I needed to learn in that. It were, there was something like, never again will I sacrifice my own happiness. I'm not doing it. I'm going to be happy, period. Like, I'm never going to lose myself to a relationship and not be happy again in life. Like, that's just not something I'm gonna do. Um, but, it took me to go through that, to get to that point. So I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, I can't say he's a bad person because he's not a bad person. He just wasn't right for me.
0: Would you be, would you be okay if you never remarried?
1: Um, yes, yes and no. Like, yes and I would, for me, and I say it all the time, I'd much rather be in a happy, loving relationship, happy, healthy, loving relationship than be somebody's wife. I don't necessarily, like, if I, if, if I'm your wife, I'm your wife for business purposes because somebody got to have power of attorney and like, but to me, if the relationship itself is solid and I'm happy in the relationship, I don't necessarily have to be your wife. Whatever, uh-huh. understanding, whatever understanding we have is okay with me. Because whatever we have is what we have and I don't give a damn what anybody else thinks about it, to be quite honest. <laughs> you yeah. get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, because I mean it, once you start living for other people, man, it, uh, that, gets, uh, that gets real confusing. I mean, everybody has this ideal picture of what, what things should look like, but um, if it doesn't look that way, you know, you shouldn't force it to look that, like, that way. You just gotta let it be. Like, I mean, like, marriage is hard enough. Like, it's hard enough. And the last thing you want to be with is somebody who, you know, you can't be yourself. You know this shit not working. Mm-hmm. But you just feel like you're stuck. So, yeah. I think that's a, good way to end this conversation (laughs) (laughs) man once we go down that rabbit hole i think we'll be i think we'll be up to about three or four o'clock yeah well i
1: already interview part two i'm just (laughs) like
0: i just want to um take the time and say thank you for doing this because um you know i really appreciate you being open and honest with the questions um Because it's always good to get a person's perspective, like to, you know, get their opinion, you know, see how they think. So I really appreciate you doing this and being open and honest with me.
1: No, no problem. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. And I want to take the time to thank everyone that listened to the show. Um, You can follow me on Instagram, JLAMP827. Again, thank you for listening. Take care and have a great one.